Amen. All right. Thank you so much. And it is good to be redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you all for singing for us this morning. Well, if you will, take your Bible this morning and open it to the book of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I have an old Schofield Bible. That's page number 1279 if you have one of those. And if you don't, if you'll just maybe go over toward the end of the Bible and start working your way back, you'll eventually run into the book of 2 Timothy. We're in chapter 1 this morning, and I want to just say a few things about it verse of scripture that God has on my heart this morning that I want to try to be an encouragement and a blessing to God's people as we work our way through these kind of uh, weird times, I guess would be a good way to describe the day and the age in which we're living. I do want to once again just invite you back this afternoon at 5.30 for our live stream again, our live service. And we're, if you don't have a computer whatever, we're on several radio stations. You can go on our website, I think, get all those call letters and also oldpathsradio.com and you can pick us up tonight. If you don't, if you can't get us on the live stream or on the Facebook, uh, pick us up on one of those radio stations 5:30 this afternoon and then of course Wednesday night at 7 o'clock we'll meet back again and I guess maybe for right now this is kind of the new norm uh, for right now but as I said a moment ago uh, boy things will get better we'll get back to, we'll get through this and get open back up again real real soon all right thank you again so much for joining us this morning well it's 2 Timothy chapter 1 if you have your Bibles there, I want you to look this way, if you will. I heard about this little boy uh, whose mama had asked him to go out on the back porch of their home one night and get her the broom. She was doing some cleaning, and so she sent him out back to get the broom. The only problem was their back porch was a very, very dark place. Well, he tried his best to obey what his mother had asked him to do. He went to the door and opened the door, and he turned the switch on the porch, and, but the light was burnt out. Boy, it was so dark, he just decided not to go, hoping his mama would forget about it. Well, sure enough, a few minutes later, his mother asked him about did he get the broom that she had asked him to get. And this time, he just tried to explain to his mama yeah, that the light was out on the back porch. And he, just to be honest with her, he was afraid to go out there because it was very, very dark. Well, his mother was sensing one of those teaching moments, and she said, uh, Honey, let me explain something to you. She said that you don't have to be afraid of the dark because God is everywhere and God will protect you. Go out there and get me the broom and bring it back in here. So once again, he went, he opened up the back door. The darkness was so thick and he was so afraid. Finally, he said, God, since you're already out there, would you mind handing me the broom? Now, I know that's a little bit of a funny story, but you know the truth of the matter is we expect little children to be afraid. Little children are afraid of the dark. Little children are afraid of doctors. Little children are afraid of monsters hiding under the bed or in the closet. Little children are afraid. But you know something? The one thing that I find as we grow older, you know, that years don't change our fears. Just because we are getting older and we are more mature, we still have to deal with fear. We just, as we get older, it's just different things that causes us to be afraid. As we grow older, it's not darkness that bothers us, it's disease. As we get older, it's no longer monsters that scare us, it's money, or maybe the lack thereof. It's not the unusual that bothers us as much 
as the unknown. So just because we get older doesn't mean that we still don't have our fears. You know, I think probably the one word, the one emotion that most people have when it comes to this current crisis that we're in is that emotion of fear. People are afraid of having no money. People are afraid of having no food. People are afraid of each other. I don't know, it's, it's weird. Everywhere you go, they've got marked off. If you go to a cash register and try to purchase whatever it is uh, that you're getting ready to buy, you look on the floor and there are tape measures marking every six foot. seems like we're afraid of each other anymore. Uh, I don't know about you, but every time I call for a sneeze, I almost just feel like saying, I don't think I have the, the virus. I mean, we're afraid of each other. People are afraid of getting sick. And people are afraid of dying. I mean, let's just face it. Our country is in a state of panic. So this morning, with that being said, I want to preach on this subject right here. I want to preach on the panic in the pandemic. The panic in the pandemic. Now, what I want to do this morning, I've been preaching through the book of 2 Timothy on Wednesday nights around here, but I want to go back to chapter 1, and I want to pick up just one verse this morning. Notice, if you will, verse number 7, the panic in the pandemic. Look at verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. In fact, let's do this. Why, why don't we do it? Let's just read this verse out loud. Ready? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I don't know, just trying to stay with the text this morning, it would seem almost apparent that young Timothy has become very fearful. Paul, at this time, the writing of this book, as I have told you, is writing his last letter. These are his last words. Paul is in jail facing a certain execution. Maybe Timothy at this point, because of seeing what's happening to Paul, has become a little bit shy and a little bit timid about his faith. In the very next verse, Paul says this, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. It almost seems like Paul is trying to encourage Timothy. Hey, don't be afraid, Timothy. Uh, if this is the final end, and by the way, we know that Timothy was actually beaten to death by an angry mob uh, with, with clubs in their hand. They literally beat him to death. He gave his life, just like Paul did, for the cause of Christ. But maybe at this point, seeing what's happening to the Paul, his, his, I guess we could say his, the, the, the person who led him to Christ, Timothy's become a little bit fearful, a little bit afraid, and Paul said, now listen, God has not given us the spirit of fear. This verse is really all about, about fear. Now let me just stop and say that all fear is not bad. All fear is not wrong. Because there is a holy fear and there is also a holy, uh, an unholy fear. There's a healthy fear and there is an unhealthy fear. I guess it's all about what you're talking about uh, that you're afraid of. It depends on the subject. For instance, in the Bible, as far as a healthy fear, we're taught in the Bible to fear God. Back in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28, we read these words, And fear not them which, uh, uh, which uh, kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Can I, can I stop and say the reason I got saved? was because of fear. Man, I got to thinking I didn't want to go to hell. 
I, I, I didn't want to die and burn forever and be eternally separated from God and be eternally separated from my loved ones. Fear brought me to God. Now, many years later, I served God out of fear, but also out of love. I understand now. God loves me, and I've grown. But I tell you, ask me why I got saved. I'll tell you, because I didn't want to go to hell. I feared that. Fear brought me to God. And in a, in a measure, fear keeps me right with God. That's right. The reason that I fear the Lord is because, man, I don't want to get, I don't want to get sideways with God. I, I, don't want, I don't want to invite the chastening hand of God down on my life. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verse 13, we read these words, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Man, I'll tell you why I'm, I'm against some things. I'll tell you why I don't do some things. You know why? Man, I fear God, and that causes me to hate that which the Lord hates. It keeps me right with God. Now, again, I agree with you. I, I serve God because I love God now. I have grown in my relationship with God. It is no longer one that is dominated by fear. It is now love, but I still fear the Lord. That is a, hope, a holy, healthy kind of fear. But then we read in our text here that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now, the word fear in this verse is an unhealthy kind of a fear. Uh, fear, the word fear there, simply this verse means to be timid or it means to be faithless. In other words, let me say it like this. God has not given us the spirit of panic. Hey, listen to me. It is not God's will. God has not given you nor me the spirit of worry, the spirit of doubt, and the spirit of anxiety. No, sir. God's desire is for our spirit to be filled with faith and belief. God wants us to unapologetically stand in these days more determined now than ever to live for the Lord knowing He is in control. Now, if what this verse says is true, and it is, then that tells me something. If my spirit this morning is filled with panic and filled, uh, feared with, uh, filled with fear, that didn't come from God. And if that didn't come from God, then where did it come from? Well, evidently, it came from the devil. Because once again, God wants us to be filled with belief, hope, and faith. Now, i got to say this. God gives us enough common sense to protect ourselves. Listen, it is not faithless if you and I use our common sense at this point in time. I want you to look up on the screens. I had them to put this up here. Look at this quote right here. Always remember that faith and common sense are not worst enemies. They're not mad at each other. In fact, they're best friends. Faith and common sense. You see, faith tells me God will take care of me through the night. But common sense says lock the doors and load the gun. Common sense. Faith tells me that God's going to provide my food, but common sense says, hey, be sure the meat's cooked properly so you don't get sick. Faith says that God is going to take care of us through this pandemic, but common sense says, go ahead and wash your hands anyway and try your best to do what you're asked to do. They're not worst enemies, faith and common sense. On the contrary, they are best friends. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Now, I want you to look in this text this morning, and i got three simple things I want to say about this this morning. Look at verse 7, and let me say three things about this. First of all, God has not given us fear, 
Look up on the screens. God has given us courage. Now notice in our text here, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. I want to stop and say before I go any further is that fear brings us into bondage. God never intended for us who are saved by His grace to go back in bondage again. We've been brought out of bondage. They just sang a moment ago about being redeemed. That word redeemed means to buy back. God has brought us out of bondage. God never intends for us to go back in life living under bondage again. But fear brings bondage. Look at this verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 25. We read this. The fear of man does what? It brings a snare. Let me tell you why a lot of people aren't saved. Because they're afraid of what somebody's going to think about them. That's exactly right. I'm speaking to people this morning on the live stream or radio or whatever. I'm speaking to people this morning, and the only reason you're still lost in your sins and on your way to a devil's burning hell forever is because you're afraid of what somebody's going to say about you or think about you if you get saved. Now, you won't have to say it. I will. Amen, preacher. I'm speaking to people just like that. The fear of man has brought a snare in your life. You know I'm telling you the God's truth. I talk to people sometimes and they say, I'm just, I'm just worried. I'm just afraid. What if, what, what if I get saved? What about all these people who thought I am saved? What about all these people who, who just knew that I was already a child of God? If I walk down there, what are they going to say about me? The fear of man bringeth a snare. It brings us into bondage. Look at this verse, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15 simply says this. The spirit of fear is a spirit of bondage. God never intended for you and me who have been set free, whom the Son sets free, He's free indeed. God never intended for us to go back and live our life in bondage. And by the way, not only can people become in bondage to alcohol, drugs, immorality, gambling, all of that, they can also live in bondage to fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but notice the first word, but of power. Now, you look the word power up, is actually where we get our English word dynamite from. It's like that Acts 1-8 verse, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. God has not given us the spirit. God has given us on the, uh, just the, uh, the opposite of that. God has given us the supernatural power, courage, that can only be explained by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, a courageous power to know and believe and to trust God. I would encourage you this morning, move out of fear. Move into courage. Move into power and believe and trust God. This kind of courage that God gives us, every one of us as the children of God, is the same kind of courage that Peter had on the day of Pentecost. I mean, just a few days before Pentecost, <coughs> I don't have corona, a few days before Pentecost, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times and then even started cussing that he didn't know Jesus. I mean, what a, unashamed, what, what a shameful uh, way to, uh, uh, to say anything. I don't even know the man. Three different times, but then on the day of Pentecost, he's standing up, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. Somebody said, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The Holy Spirit came inside of him and gave him the courage to boldly stand for Jesus. 
That same courage rests within your bosom this morning. That same courage rests within me. It's the courage of Stephen to stand in the face of an angry mob which would eventually take his life, would stone him to death. And he looked up to heaven and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. That same kind of courage is in you this morning. God has given it to you. It's the same kind of courage that Nicodemus had. In our terminology, we'd say, oh, Nicodemus was a closet disciple, a closet believer. He was, he was afraid of what people might think. There it is, fear of man, bring up the snare. But buddy, after Jesus was crucified, old Nicodemus, quote, unquote, came out of the closet and went to Pilate and boldly begged for the body of Jesus to give it a proper burial. He identified with the Lord Jesus. Where'd that courage came from? It came from Almighty God. Hey, listen, man, I'm telling you, that courage lives within the heart of every believer this morning. Listen, I'm telling you this morning that God can and God will give us what we need this morning. It's the courage that the Hebrew boys had when facing the ire of an angry king who threatened them with a fiery furnace because they would not bend nor bow to his idol. But they said, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, I just want to tell you, hear me and hear me well, our God is able to keep us from getting this virus. But if not, God's going to take care of us anyway. That courage rests within our bosom. Listen to me. They said, but if not, just let us tell you, we're not going to serve you. We're not going to bow down and worship your God, nor your idol. We will not worship that. If God delivers us, great. And if he don't, God still is going to take care of us. And I'm just here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, heads we win, tails we win. That's courage this morning. I'm telling you, God has not given us the spirit of fear. God, exercise common sense. They're best friends. But understand, thank God, we can walk through this pandemic without panic. You know why? God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of, of, of courage, of power. By the way, did you notice in this text, God didn't give us fear, uh, uh, God didn't give us fear but he did give us power? I'm not talking about some kind of power that we're trying to work up for God. I'm talking about a power that God's already put in us. It's already there. Maybe it's covered over by a bunch of panic this morning. Maybe it's covered over by a bunch of fear. But what you need to do is get all that mess out of the way and say, God, above anything else, I trust you. I believe you. My faith, my confidence is in you. Our help cometh from the Lord. Oh, yeah, not a fear. Not a fear but of courage. But our text continues. Look again at verse 7. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Now this leads us to a second understanding, that God has not only given us courage, but God has also given us compassion. God has given to us love, the spirit of love. I looked up the word love, and the word love there is that agape, that godlike kind of love. And by the way, this verse is not speaking of our love for God. This verse is speaking of God's love for us. I hate to tell you all this, but my love for God is imperfect. It is not perfect. I hate to tell you this, but, but it is true. My love for God is somewhat like a yo-yo. There are times that it's very up, and there are times... And it's very down. It is 
imperfect. But can I tell you about God's love for us? God's love for us is a perfect kind of love. God's love is never on for us and then off. God's love for you and me is never hot nor cold. God's love is never, uh, is never in or out. God's love for us is an imperfect love. That's the reason in 1 John 4, 18, we read these words, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. I'll tell you another reason we don't have to panic in the pandemic is simply because we have a Heavenly Father who loves us with a perfect kind of love, an everlasting love. Nothing in this world will ever happen to me. And let me just say this, nothing in this world will ever happen to you if you're a child of God that doesn't first sift through the tender, compassionate, loving hands of our Heavenly Father. Now, I'll tell you something. I say again, my love is imperfect. I am a sinful human being. I have an imperfect love. But you know something? Even with an imperfect love, I'd never do anything to hurt my children or my grandchildren. I can honestly say this morning, I love them way too much to ever do anything to hurt them. Even with an imperfect love. I can honestly say, I'd give my life for my wife. I mean, if I had to step out in front of a speeding locomotive, I hope it don't hurt, but I'll do it. I mean, I love them with an imperfect love. I would shield them and protect them with my life if need be. Now, that's coming from somebody with an imperfect kind of a love. But if that be true, how in the world could you and I ever doubt or think that a God who has perfect love would ever allow anything to ever hurt one of his children. Now, I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that I'm not going to get sick. I'm not saying that I'm not going to die because if it's not the corona, something's going to get me down the road. It really will. But I promise you this, I can face this. I can face whatever with the knowledge of the fact that there's a God sitting in heaven who will never take so much as a 10-minute break from loving me. He'll never go off on vacation. He'll never call a timeout. He'll never take even a 30-second period and say, I don't love you. He'll never step down off the throne. He'll never, ever stop loving me or ever stop loving you. Well, I can face this pandemic without panic simply because I got a God who's not going to quit loving me. And I want, to I want to encourage you right in the middle of all of this. God has not quit loving you. He never will. The Bible said he's loved us with an everlasting love. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of courage, power. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love or compassion. But there's a third thing. Look in our text. The Bible said this. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Now I want to use this word to describe that, not fear, but confidence. Sound mind. That means we don't have to fear, we don't have to panic in the pandemic simply because we know, we know who's going to win. Hey, it's already been predetermined. It's already been told us that God's going to come out on the winning side, and so will God's children, so will God's people. You know, with things like this virus reminds, reminds me of the fact that you and I are living in a broken world. 
This world's messed up, man. And the reason this world is messed up is because of what happened back in Genesis chapter 3 when we obeyed God. Can I tell you something? There was no corona prior to Genesis 3. There wasn't so much as the sniffles prior to Genesis 3. Sickness, disease, death, disaster all came about because of the fall of humanity. And every once in a while, something like this comes along just to remind us, hey, we're broke people, and we live in a broken world. But one of these days, Jesus is going to come and take all of his broken people out of a broken world and make us whole and make us well. And we're going to re be restored back to that image prior to, 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 to Genesis 3 when man walked with God, fellowship with God, loved God. We're going to be taken back to that, given a glorified body. And God is not only going to fix broken people, but God's going to fix this broke world one of these days and make it brand new. And I say that this morning with confidence because I've read the Bible. Let me tell you what, let me tell you this story and I'm going to wrap this up. I don't know if you've even noticed this or not. The One of the things we haven't been doing a lot recently is watching TV. I don't know why. We just sit outside. TV is just kind of, first of all, I am not going to watch the news 24 hours a day because I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be depressed out of my mind. I mean, play, let me give you some good advice. Cut, cut the news off. Cut it off, man. Don't watch that stuff. Not all the time. Watch enough to stay informed. But, man, don't, don't dwell in the gloom and the doom that's being, uh, being perpetrated uh, by, by news right now. Get away from it. So, I mean, we haven't really watched a lot of television. One of the things that's happened because of this pandemic is, uh, you know, the basketball tournament has been canceled. March Madness, you know. We would be kind of right getting toward the end of that and toward the national championship. So what's happened on TV is they've been playing from years ago. They've been playing past great basketball games, uh, college basketball games from years ago. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's probably some, some on again today. I, I'm not sure about that, but probably will because they, they, there's nothing else to show. I don't know what in the world ESPN's doing right now. Selling toilet paper probably or something. I mean, there certainly ain't nothing to talk about in the sports world going on right now. But I told you that to tell you this. Last Saturday, I know, don't be mad at me, but last Saturday, that Duke and Kentucky game was on. Now, you may not even remember that, but it was a regional final. And I know Carolina people in here is already starting to say, I wish I'd never come to church here this morning to hear this. But uh, it was at night, it was 1992, and Duke was playing Kentucky in the Eastern Regional of the, uh, to see who went to the Final Four. And by the way, Duke eventually won, won that year as well. Well, I'm, I'm kind of not as bad as I used to be because I'm kind of getting away from that a little bit. But I, I used to be a huge Duke fan. And so with great interest, I watched that game in 1992. I can tell you exactly where I was. We were at, I was pastoring down at Walters Grove, down the middle part of the state here, and I tell you, that game came on, it was either a time change Saturday night or an Easter. The next morning would be Easter morning. I'm not sure how that worked, but I do know it was a Saturday night, and we had driven up here. It was 75 miles from our house down to Walters Grove. We had driven up here to see my wife's uncle, Steve, and, and Donna. And so while we were there, we watched that Duke and Kentucky game. 
And, uh, man, I tell you, it was great. It was one of the greatest college basketball games of all time. Well, it came on again last Saturday. And I told my daughter, Holly, she's a Duke fan, and I told her, I said, you need to watch this game. I mean, this is one of the greatest college basketball games uh, of all the time. You know, it was one of those seesaw kind of battles. Duke would go up by six or eight. Here, Kentucky would come storming back, and, and then maybe Kentucky would go up a, a, a point or two. And then right at the end of the game, right at the end of the game, Kentucky tied it and had a chance to win, and of course in regulation, but they went into, they missed the shot, and it went into, it went into overtime. You may remember that, you know, how in, in, in overtime, uh, Kentucky went up by two. I think it was like two seconds left. They went up by one, and uh, Duke took their final timeout. Now, I'm looking over at Holly. She's watching this ball game. I'm looking over at her, 1992. She's over on the couch, and she's going. I'm sitting in the recliner, pulled back in high gear with my arms behind my head, laughing at her because she's, a, she's eating her fingernails off. She's a nervous wreck. You see, I watched the game. I knew what was going to happen. I knew Grant Hill was going to throw that three-quarters length court pass. I knew Leighton was going to catch it at the free throw line. Why in the world they didn't put somebody on the out-of-bounds passer? He threw it three-quarters distance court. Leitner caught it at the free throw line, shot a fallaway, dump, uh, fallaway jumper, nothing but net, Duke won. As time expired, Holly's over there. I'm sitting there in the chair. It's a great game, ain't it? You know why? I knew the end. Now, I got to tell you, I didn't know play by play. In fact, I forgot about it. I'll be honest with you, man. When it went into overtime, I got a little nervous myself. But I didn't remember the overtime, and I didn't remember play by play, but I did remember the pass. I did remember the shot. Brother Boyce, I know you're just rejoicing and shouting hallelujah. Miss Lisa, y'all are just having a great time listening to this story. I remember the follow. I remember time expired. I remember the people going crazy. In fact, we went crazy and we weren't even at our house. We absolutely lost our minds. But can I tell you something? I knew how it ended. And I could sit there with confidence while Holly was... I sat there with confidence, watched the whole thing because I knew how it was going to end. Now, can I tell you something this morning? We don't have to be afraid. You know why? We know how it's going to end. Jesus is going to come. I say that just as emphatically this morning as I've ever said it before. I don't know how all this fits into the grand scheme of things, but I know God's maneuvering checkerboard pieces and God's putting pieces into place here and there and God is doing this. God is at work like never before. You and I need to just sit back and not... I'm talking about Maylots now. Drinking Maylots, popping pills. We don't have to... Smoking 25 packs of cigarettes a day. We don't have to do that. We can just sit back, take it easy. You know why? I didn't read the last chapter, man. Guess what? God's going to throw a three-quarter length pass to Jesus. Jesus is going to turn around as time expires, hit the fall away jumper, and God's people are going to win. We don't have to be afraid. We know how it's going to end. So panic in a pandemic, not for God's people, because God 
you just enjoyed that story so much, I can just see you over our house. You ain't never coming back working the camera again, are you? Can I tell you this? We can rejoice even in the, in the midst of a pandemic. Not, I'm not going to go out here and be crazy. I read this week about one lady on a dare who licked a toilet seat. Are you kidding me? I'm not even going to lick a toilet seat when, when nobody's sick. I read of another guy who's walked around and said, man, I've got faith in God and he's licking doorknobs. Can I tell you something? Hey, faith, that's foolishness. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to use hand sanitizer. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to try to follow orders as best I can, but I tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to just rest. You know why? I know how it's going to turn out. And whether I live, I live for Jesus. And if corona gets me and I have to die, and I don't say this like I want to because I don't, but if I have to, I'm just going to live with Jesus. <laughs> Man, what are you going to do? That's confidence. Heads we win. Tails we win. You don't have to panic in the pandemic. Let's bow our heads for prayer.